Hey everyone, I'm Pastor Matthew and I just want to say happy Sabbath. Today I'm going to talk to you about hope and disappointment. Uh, but before I get into it, let's pray. God, we're just thankful that we could gather here as Christians this Sabbath morning. And we just ask, Lord, that you would bless us as we hear from the word of God. No matter where we are, let us hear your voice speaking to us this morning. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So today, as I said, I wanna talk to you about a time in my life where I experienced a lot of disappointment. The first time, actually. Uh, I was a young kid, I had moved to Calgary from the States, and I went to my new public school and I tried out for the basketball team. Now this was my 11th grade year, so those of you who know sports know that's a serious thing to try out for sports, 11th grade year. It's the year to make, make uh, uh, the senior team, the varsity team, not the junior team anymore, that's kid stuff. It's time to make uh, the, the senior team. And so I went to school, I tried out, played basketball, thought I was hot stuff because I was playing with, uh, with uh, kids from Canada now and I'd played in the States where, you know, they say basketball is rougher there. And I tried out, things looked well. The first cut happened and I was there. I was still on the running to be on the team. The second cut happened. Ah, I was still there. I still made it. It was still close. There was one more cut that came up. We had our practice. I played good defense, showed my stuff, did everything I could. And then the third cut finally came out and I looked at my name on the list with all the names of the 12 people, really 14 people who could be on the team. And there on the 15th spot, right where you don't want to be, was my name cut from the senior team. It was a devastating time. My first time I remember experiencing feeling this feeling of disappointment. Uh, I can tell you as a Christian following God sometimes, we have a lot of disappointment. I remember later on growing up and uh, going to college, uh, I met this beautiful girl and uh, her name I won't say because Adventism is small <laughs> and you might know her wherever you're listening from. And I remember she talking with me and I talking with her and we were getting along, you know? I was taking her, her, taking her out on dates to the cafeteria because I was poor, I didn't have, uh, didn't have a car back then, and I remember taking her on dates uh, to Vespers at Friday night, because didn't have a lot, of, uh, a lot of other things to do, and we were having such a good time together, and I thought, you know what, I'm gonna make a bold effort, I'm gonna say, all right, this is what I'm gonna do, and I remember where I was, I remember where I was when I decided to make this bold effort and say, I like you, do you like me, maybe we should, we should start something. I remember we were on the stairs going up to the administration building there on the campus of Southern University uh, in Tennessee in the good old Bible Belt, and I remember talking to her and saying, you know, we've been having so much time together, and I think you're beautiful, I think you're, you're a sweet girl, I was wondering if, you know, our friendship, we might be able to take it, you know, to the next step. And I'll never forget what this uh, beautiful young lady replied to me. She looked at me and she said, oh, that's sweet. Um, I just don't look at you that way. Can we just stay friends? And I can tell you that my heart felt like I had been shot right in the center, and I didn't know how I was gonna survive because I had been rejected, 
and I was feeling so disappointed, so deeply disappointed. Uh, disappointment, we, we face it a lot as Christians, as people. Uh, later on in my college years, uh, when I graduated with theology, I went through a litany of different interviews with conference after conference trying to get a job, you know, trying to interview. Hey, I'm Matthew, I love Jesus, I can preach the word of God, I can help other people love him. Like, you know, I was interviewing, I remember with probably eight different conferences, trying to get that job after graduating with a good amount of student loans. And I remember going to interview after interview after interview and just waiting and hoping and praying that maybe I'd get this job. The time came when the interviews had come and passed and I realized I'm not getting a job right now. I've just spent four years and $80,000 and now I don't have any job. And I remember feeling that feeling of disappointment that probably I'll face and have faced many times since. Uh, this disappointment. I remember in this time of disappointment uh, as a kid in basketball and, and, and older uh, in college and as an adult looking for, uh, looking for a job, I can remember this feeling of disappointment. And every time I'm disappointed, any time I go through hard times in my life, I go to the Word of God. And I went there, you know, I had an actual paper Bible, and I pulled up this book in Romans chapter 5. And you're gonna see it on the screen here, but it's in Romans chapter five, verse five, I read this. Now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who is given to us. And I remember reading this passage and being upset. And I'm saying, God, you said that hope doesn't disappoint. You said that hope is something that I can trust in and be guaranteed and I won't have to worry about this disappointment. And I remember being angry at God and talking to him and saying, listen, Lord, I, I followed you to become a pastor at school. I didn't want to become a pastor, you know. My parents told me not to become a pastor. Becoming a pastor, you don't make a lot of money, they said. Being a pastor, you gotta move all over the earth and it's bad for your family, they said. And so I said, God, I don't wanna be a pastor. You led me to this. I've gone through this degree and I don't have a job. It was a very disappointing time in my life. And I wonder, as you're sitting there listening this Sabbath morning, I wonder if maybe you're going through your own disappointment. You know, this summer has come and you haven't been able to march because of the coronavirus. Maybe, you know, you've talked to your parents and they had to sit you down and say, listen, we're gonna have to split up because things with me and your mother are not working out. Maybe you still haven't gotten that girl and you're disappointed and you're single and you're waiting at home calling on God saying, hey God, please, come on. I've been following you. I've been holding my end of the bargain up. Why aren't you fulfilling the desires of my heart? Maybe you're looking for that job as a young student who's just graduated and you're like me asking God, like what am I gonna do next in this environment of business and, and, and that just seems to be going nowhere. I can't get a job, can't even get a call back for an interview. I wonder maybe right now, if you're going through your own disappointment, 
and you're talking to God the way I was as a, as a college graduate saying, God, what's going on? You said if I had hope in you, I wouldn't be disappointed. Uh, maybe you're wondering right now, how can I find hope at all in this terrible time of disappointment that I'm facing? Maybe that's you today. Uh, and you know, I found the answer from scripture that I really think helps to deal with our disappointment that we face on a daily basis. I can tell you as a Christian following God for you know, over 15 years that there are disappointing times that come, but we can still have this hope in Jesus despite our disappointment. I can tell you that, and I think the answer really comes from our understanding of what hope is in Scripture. You see, some of us believe that hope is kind of like this concept of optimism, this idea of looking forward to something and things are gonna get better. Uh, and you know, one of the problems we face in reading the Bible, especially in this verse in Romans chapter five, verse five, is that we take our understanding of words and we place them on the Bible and we expect the Bible to be understood by our understanding of the words. We impose our understanding on words on the Bible rather than letting the Bible give us understanding on what words actually mean. And today, I think one of the biggest misconceptions in the church today is this concept of hope. A lot of people think that hope is optimism, like, oh, you know, this coronavirus, it's gonna go away, that's optimism. Oh, the economy, it's gonna recover, that's optimism. Oh, I'm gonna get my dream job, I'm gonna get that dream girl, things are gonna go exactly the way I planned. And that's not biblical hope, that's just optimism. Now, let me, let me kind of describe it this way. I'm a Mac guy. Uh, some of our technicians here who've been helping out, they're PC guys, and we like to go back and forth whether or not what's better, Mac computers or PC computers. And I'm a Mac guy, so one of the things I looked forward to just a couple months ago was the, was the release date of the iPad Pro. It's this huge, mega giant iPad with all these tech, uh, technical specs that are awesome. And I remember when it came out, I was, looking, I was looking for it on the internet, and I was like, oh, when is this gonna come out? I was optimistic about when it was gonna come out. And when I found out the date it was gonna come out, I was like, yes, I can get it. And then you know what happened. The coronavirus happened, and I had to wait I had to wait, oh man, I looked online, I'm gonna order it, it can come in by the week, I looked online. Had to wait, not a week, but a month. And I thought, you know what, that's ridiculous, I'm just gonna wait for stores to open up and then I'll go get it in person. I found out Best Buy was open, I went down to Best Buy, looked at the computer store there, sold out, no iPads, everyone had bought them. Went to Costco, tried to buy an iPad at Costco, no iPad at Costco either. Uh, it was all sold out. I was thinking, what in the world? I have to wait. Nah, but you know what? I'm optimistic. It's going to come out. It's going to be there. I, I'm hopeful about it. And so I waited. I waited. And finally, I saw news on the internet. Wait a second. Yes. Stores are going to be opening up. Oh, my goodness. Apple Store in Edmonton is opening up. And in Calgary, it's opening up. So when I found it, it opened up just not too long ago. I drove down to Calgary. I got in line. I put on my mask. I waited in line. And I stepped in the store 
of that Apple store, that glorious store, and I just was so happy to waste $1,300 on this huge mega iPad, and I brought it home, and I just basked in the glory of this awesome, awesome little device. And I was just so happy because I'd been waiting for so long for this iPad to come out and finally came out and I finally got it. And so my hopes had been fulfilled. And some of the times as Christians, we look at hope as optimism. And we think that we just wait and when it comes to pass, that's our hope being fulfilled. But let me share with you from a New Testament scholar by the name of N.T. Wright what hope really is. Because hope is not optimism, hope is something different. You'll see it on the screen, but let me read it to you. It says, hope and optimism are not the same thing. The optimist looks at the world and feels good about the way it's going. Things are looking up. Everything is gonna be all right. That's kind of like the coronavirus is gonna go away or the economy's gonna be good. That's optimism, but he says, listen, but hope, at least as conceived within the Jewish and then the early Christian world, was quite different. Hope could be, and often was, dogged and deliberate choice when the world seemed dark. It depended not on a feeling about the way things were or the way they were moving, but on faith, faith in the one God. And then he says this. I hope you see it on the screen there. It's so very shocking. He says, hope is a virtue. Hope is a virtue. I bet you've heard about virtues before, that patience is a virtue. You know, you go to the doctor and you sit down and you wait patiently and you can exercise that virtue of patience by waiting patiently and not getting mad and leaving that the doctor's taking too long. You can exercise patience as a virtue uh, by sitting there very uh, politely and, and waiting your turn rather than running off uh, on a big mega iPad and distracting yourself. That's not patience, that's just distraction. So he's saying that hope is a virtue the way that patience is a virtue. And hope is something that we can exercise even if things aren't going the way we want. Even if we're experiencing something that we never planned for. Hope isn't optimism that things are gonna go well. Hope is something that we can exercise even when things are looking bad. Isn't that incredible? And so, the best way I can describe this idea of hope is in a story in the Bible that you know so well. Uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Those of you who watch uh, Veggie Tales will call them Rack, Shack, and Benny. Others of you who are really into uh, biblical scholarship will call them Hanani, Mishael, and Azariah. And you'll know this story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego really well when King Nebuchadnezzar, King Nebi as I like to call him, built this huge statue, built it all high up into the sky and he brought everyone in all of Babylon and said, you need to bow down and you need to worship this statue. You need to worship this statue and he was optimistic. 
You know, Nebuchadnezzar, he was optimistic. Look, you worship this statue. Everything's gonna be fine. My kingdom's gonna last forever and ever. Don't worry about it. But you just bow down to the statue. But there, in that, in that place, Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego, they exercised true biblical hope. See, they didn't say to the king, king, we're not gonna bow down to this statue and that no matter what happens, we're gonna be fine and God's gonna protect us. They didn't say that at all. They said to the king, dear king, this is my Matthew International version, so you go check it out in Daniel 3. They said, king, listen, we respect you, we think everything that you're saying is good, but under no circumstances are we going to bow down to this statue. And here's the thing, king, we're gonna do this, we're not gonna bow down to this statue, and even if God doesn't save us, it doesn't matter to us, we're going to still not bow down to this statue. Look, our God, he can save us, but even if he doesn't save us, we're, gonna bow, we're not gonna bow down, and we're gonna remain faithful to God. You see, hope, they exercised their hope when they chose to follow God despite the circumstances that might take place. See, for those three boys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, if they still were burned in that fiery furnace and God didn't save them one bit, they could say, like Romans 5 verse 5 says, hope doesn't disappoint. Because their hope wasn't founded on the circumstances that would come and go in their life. It wasn't founded on whether or not they would live or die. Their hope was founded on Jesus Christ and who he is and the goodness of God. And so regardless of what circumstance they found themselves in, they could exercise hope. You know, I can tell you as I have tried my best in this world to exercise hope that Jesus has been very good to me. Uh, circumstances have not always gone the way I've wanted them to go. Uh, when I didn't get that job at Southern as a, as a kid graduating school, I continued to exercise hope. And one year came around and I got a call. I got a job interview from a guy at camp meeting and he hired me right in a spot in a single day when I didn't know what was going on. I waited a year after that, and after being single for a very long time, it felt like uh, God didn't disappoint, and I was able to meet my beautiful wife, and right now we have three beautiful children. Uh, but here's the thing. I can hope in God regardless if any of those things never happened or not, and so can you. You don't have to rely on the circumstances in your life to hope in Jesus Christ. You can hope in Jesus Christ regardless of what happens. I hope you can see it on the screen there. Uh, God has blessed me uh, with these three beautiful boys. On the top is my son, Evan. In the middle there, uh, being held by Evan, is uh, is a. Uh, my little baby named Lucas, he's only a year old, and the little one with his head up like this, uh, his, name is, his name's Aiden. And these kids, man, I can tell you as a father, uh, I disappoint them all the time. 
And as I was wrestling with God, and I was asking him, God, you know, why do you allow us to experience disappointment? He let me think about my sons, those three boys, as you can see, Evan, Lucas, and Aiden. And he asked me a question that I want to ask you, well, or that I want you to consider. He said, Matthew, do you give your children everything they want? And I thought for a second, no, because to give my kids everything they want would be ridiculous. Of course I don't give them everything they want. And then I thought, why don't I give them everything I want? You know, they wake up in the morning, they're like, Daddy, Daddy, uh, let's play iPad, mega iPad. And I say, no, we're not gonna play mega iPad. It's six o'clock in the morning. Go eat some breakfast, go do something normal. They'll say, Daddy, Daddy, you know, let's eat some ice cream. Like Evan, Aiden, guys, it's six o'clock in the morning. I'm not gonna give that to you. And every time I say no to them or I, or, or, or I tell them that they can't do something they wanna do, it's disappointing. It's very disappointing for them. But the reason that I don't want them to get everything they want is that I don't want them to grow up to be spoiled little brats who can't do any good in this world. Uh, and I think about that as God is our Father who loves us much more than I can love my kids. That sometimes in our life, things don't go exactly the way we hope them to go. And when that happens, we can be sure that God isn't doing it because he hates us or that he's out to get us, but simply because he wants us to develop characters like him so that we can be men and women in this world who make a difference. Uh, later on, I looked at the context of Romans chapter five, verse five, and here's what the beginning verses say right before it. It says, but we also glory in tribulation or suffering, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance, and perseverance, character, and character, hope. Now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Hey, look, this is what God is saying. Sometimes I'm gonna allow you to go through disappointment. Sometimes I'm gonna allow you to go through suffering. But out of the fires of, the, of, of, out of the fires of suffering, out of the fires of disappointment, out of the fires of, of things in your life that are not going the way you want, out of those fires, I'm gonna forge you a character that's just like Christ. And you are going to be transformed into the image of God. And one of the virtues of that character that no one can ever take away from you is the hope that you can have in Jesus Christ. And that hope in Jesus Christ, that hope in Jesus Christ will never disappoint you because whether things go well or not, Jesus Christ remains the same. You know, there's this wonderful song, it's old school, but I like it, that says, my hope is built on nothing less than on Jesus Christ and his righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly trust in Jesus' name. You know, I really want to encourage you in this time in your life when things probably aren't going the way you expected, 
to not give in to hopelessness, but to claim and cling to the hope of Christ. You know, as I close today, I just wanna leave this appeal with some of you who are listening. You know, our church is Seventh-day Adventist. We're struggling with something very uh, relevant and real in times of crisis. It's what I call uh, a worldly hope that Christians have adopted. It's this idea that since Jesus is coming, no matter what bad things are happening in this world, we can just lay back, we can just relax in our nice houses and our nice acreages and our nice homes and not worry about it because Jesus is coming soon. That's what, we, that's what we act like sometimes. Oh yeah, there's social injustice, yeah, there's poverty, yeah, there's sickness going all around the world, but instead of claiming biblical hope, we do something else and we, and we indulge in what I like to call worldly hope, this, this lazy optimism. Oh yeah, it's all right, we don't have to do anything. Jesus is coming, we'll, he'll figure it out. We don't have to do anything. As I close, I just want to encourage you don't give into that kind of hope. That's fake hope. Biblical hope is exercising your faith regardless of the circumstances around you. In the words of a very famous Irish poet, I want to read to you what he says. He says this Hope is not optimism, which expects things to turn out well, but something rooted in the conviction that there is good worth working for. In this time, I don't want you just to lay back and do nothing and just expect Jesus to come. Don't hope like that. Hope in the conviction that Jesus is coming soon and because of it, we can make a difference in this world today. We can help those who are being oppressed. We can help those who are struggling in their finances. We can help those who are going through a lot of difficulty in their life. So that when Jesus comes finally, he'll look at you and me and he'll say, hey, well done, good and faithful servant. Because I was hungry and you gave me some food to eat. I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. I was in prison and you visited me. I was a stranger and you invited me into, my, into your home. That's the kind of hope Jesus wants. A hope that exercises, that works. And I just want to appeal to you to never give hope in discouraging circumstances to cling to the hope of Jesus and to exercise that hope in your life. Hey, thanks for listening. God bless you. I hope you have a wonderful Sabbath. Take care. Mm-hmm.